The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Luke. Glory to Christ. Jesus, filled with the power of the Spirit, returned to Galilee, and a report about him spread through all the surrounding country. He began to teach in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Then he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. The Gospel of the Lord. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be always acceptable to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Before I begin, I should say it's wonderful to be back. I feel like I've been gone for a long time and it's only been two weeks. But much has happened. So, good to look out and see your faces. With that said, I'll begin. It would be an understatement of the day if I were to tell you the world is changing fast. It would even be more of an understatement to say that technology plays a large part in this change, especially the ever-evolving forms of communication. Just think about the multiple forms of communication and sharing and information sharing that we've experienced in the past few decades. The development of the 24-hour news cycle, email, tweets, blogs, YouTube videos, and text, just to name a few. Now, I could go on, and I think everyone gets the point. Such connectedness is becoming a way of life. One piece of technology, the technological smorgasbord, I haven't mentioned up until this point, is Facebook. I'm sure many or most of you are familiar with Facebook. You can share what you're doing on a daily, maybe some hourly, weekly, monthly basis. You can share your photos and friends can see what you've been up to, those you give access to your information. Now, I have a close friend at seminary that recently signed up on Facebook after being harassed for two years by a group of his fellow peers. And I'll leave it up to you to decide if I was a part of that group who was harassing him or not. Uh, But don't get me wrong. My friend is, it's not that he's adverse to technology. He's an avid texter, after all. I do receive text messages from him. But rather, I think my friend felt the burden of managing one more thing on his to-do list was just too much. I can hear him now. Ugh, just another mouth to feed. Or he might say, yeah, another thing great to distract me from what I should be doing. Or another way to communicate and connect on a surface level. So for several months, I heard my friend politely decline 
and avoid any conversation that mentioned the word Facebook. He was pretty crafty about it. And then one day, back in September 2009, he decided, he agreed he would finally join Facebook after our ordination exams in January 2010, when he had a little more free time. Now, underneath all the polite and strategic avoidance, as I listened very carefully to the undercurrent of my friend's responses, what I began to pick up on were deeper questions and concerns he had with another new form of communication. It seemed like he was asking, when is enough communication and connectedness enough? When does it cease to achieve its aim and become a distraction? Are we too connected? These seem to be questions lurking beneath the resistance to join Facebook for my friend. Now, Paul has something to say about connectedness and interdependentness. And he writes about it in his letter to the Corinthians today, where he says, Indeed, the body does not consist of one member, but of many. Essentially, he says the interrelatedness of all members of the body are equally important. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? And it is. As it is, there are many members, yet one body. If one member suffers, we all suffer together. If one member is honored, we all rejoice together. Now, I'm happy to report I agree with Paul on all of this. And if we as Christians all lived into this part of our faith, the world could be and become a just place. But as important as I find Paul's letter and this aspect of Paul's letter, this is not my focus of the sermon today. Rather, I'd like to explore the part of Paul's letter that is not very often highlighted. At least I feel it's not very often highlighted. And that's the part that recognizes that it is God who does the connecting and the arranging of the interrelated members of the body. And this is a fact Paul reminds his readers, those listening to his letter, more than once today throughout this short reading we just heard. Paul is saying it is through God and being one in Christ that members are connected and interconnected to each other. To be in community and to communicate with our members we must remember to place God in the center of our relationship. Now, for my friend, while Facebook offered the promise of communication and connection as he friended classmates from long ago and played Mafia Wars till the wee hours of the morning, it also promised potential distraction from other tasks at hand primarily his relationship with God. Ezra, too, summons the people of Israel to this very same charge, this relationship with God, as he reads from the book of the Law of Moses. And underlying the entire Law of Moses 
is a reminder to the faithful of their dependence on and need for a relationship with God. And I sensed for my friend this resistance to joining was a concern that it was yet another impediment to deepening his relationship with God and with himself so he could see the world on a deeper level. He seemed to be saying he wanted to make sure that his relationship with God was so strong that it could endure yet another set of 21st century distractions. At times, I must confess, I'm still discerning what newfangled forms of communication pose an impediment or distraction to my relationship with God or constitute a new tool at my disposal to work for God's mission in the world. For I'll be the first to tell you, not all technology is a distraction. Consider the stories we witnessed in December of Iran's revolution via the Twitters on Internet. This is something we never would have known without technology. Still, I find myself sharing similar concerns and asking the same questions that my friend was asking. Questions that seem to go against Paul's letter. Questions like, might we be too connected? Now, I'd pose this question to my friend if I thought I'd get a straight answer. Although he's known me far too long to offer one of those. Rather, I think he would wisely answer my question with questions of his own. Well, Stephanie, I can hear him saying, are you able to concentrate on the task at hand while on the computer? Or do you find yourself pointing and clicking mindlessly away? Are you glued to the Internet for the latest news or fad and look up and an hour has passed and you wonder, what have I been doing? Do you have several hundred friends on Facebook, many of whom hadn't crossed your mind until you reconnected? Essentially, I think what my friend would ask me is, do you rule the need and the desire to stay connected through technology, or does it rule you? The proverbial, does the dog wag the tail, or does the tail wag the dog? And I also suspect that my friend might take my question of, are we as a society too connected, even a step further, and ask me, what might your life look like if you cut out the mindless chatter and clutter you worry is distracting you from God and focus, use that energy to focus on the communication to build up your relationship with God, with your neighbors, and with yourself. He might inquire of me, how well do you really know your neighbors and your loved ones? Do you know their favorite book? Do you know their favorite song? Do you know their favorite hymn or their favorite place to visit? And not only that, do you know what draws them to that book? Do you know what draws them to that hymn? Do you know the fears and the joys they hold inside? Do you know when they felt closest to Jesus in their life? 
These same questions could be asked of yourself. What is important to you and why? I can hear my friend asking me this now. These are the types of conversations and relationships I sense my friend was a little skeptical could happen on Facebook, and thus his desire to avoid the distraction. This, my sisters and my brothers, is our task. To live in the world while not becoming of the world. To many, living in today's world does mean surfing the internet. It does mean texting and blogging and Facebooking, and along with whatever else may come in the future. As Christians, though, living in the world means building up the body of Christ through relationships that resist mindless chatter and distract us from our relationship with God, while at the same time using new technology to share the good news of the gospel. And I think in order to achieve the task of being from the world, but not of the world, we must remember it is God who is at the center of arranging the members of our community, tempted as we might be to think otherwise. It is through God we are connected and find meaning and find relationships, despite all the potentially snazzy and alluring distractions. Ultimately, we cannot be too connected to God. For it is God who connects us and arranges us so that we can build and be the body of Christ together. Amen.